Hello and welcome to 3 and 2, a match play Age of Sigmar podcast. My name is Rich, this is episode 12, and with me as always are Laura. Hello. And Matthew. Hi Matthew. Hello. Hi. So, as usual, we're going to talk about a load of shit to do with Age of Sigmar and hope that people listen to it. Let's start, as always, with some hobby updates. What hobby have we been up to? Have we been up to any hobby? Matthew. Hello. I have painted a Spirit of Death and, like, 90% of a Tree Lord. I've just got to do a little bit of... A little bit of... What's the product called? I'm going to not edit this out either. Proacle Transparent White on this bad boy uh, to to do some smoothish transitions and then it will be done. Do you like a bit of Proacryl? Mm. Well, I've not so, tried that. Yeah, I, we've sort of been trying it out on this army a fair amount. So I've been doing some like very dark, heavy contrast greens and I found it easier to use the transparent white to get that to fade in and out of like higher and lower tones rather than trying to like mix wet contrast on the model, which I have never successfully ah, done. Interesting. Yeah. It still sounds like a nightmare to me, but I'm glad it's working <laughs> I don't know. for you. It's just like an it's like the old school GW glazing way method, but just with premixed transparent white. So it's just not too bad, it just takes a little time. Eight hundred layers. And it'll be fine. It's not even that many. It's surprisingly good quite quickly. And also quite good for just doing like really, really subtle highlights and things. I like it a lot. Hmm, nice. So what's the difference visually between a tree lord and Durthu? Can I remember? Durthu big got sword. Big sword. So basically they all have a claw hand. All three of them have a claw hand. Right. Durthu has a big sword. The tree lord ancient has a big stick. And the regular tree lord has big whippy. Big oh whippy. right, yeah, yeah, the vine thing. Yeah, this is the coolest one, it. I reckon. Yeah, I like well, they've all got different faces, and they all have different branches around them, and a different loin as well. But yeah, you could use those fairly interchangeably, though, right? as long as it had the right weapon. I feel like that's the main yeah. distinguishing feature. Yeah, if I did any more vanilla tree lords, I'd probably mix them up a bit. But the kit is fairly prescriptive i would say but probably also not designed at a time where they thought you'd have yeah. like six tree lords on the board they end up being slightly custom because you would inevitably break off some of the leafy bits and just go well it's fine that doesn't really need to be there at least that's mm. been my experience of the one spirit of death who i've made ever yeah i've broken one branch irreparably yeah you just have to be very 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 gentle of why I've never quite fallen in Sylvaneth. Like I do love some of the visual. I love the the sword, like those sort of latticey yeah, swords. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. But yeah, I I break things, so you have a Lumineth army. Yeah, and a lot of them are broken. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a Nighthorn army and a lot of them are broken. Mm. You did uh, drop them down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, well, they go doesn't matter. The real problem I have is with the the tassels on Deepkin just snap yeah. constantly. Mm-hmm. Lumineth have a tassel issue as well. I yeah. think I've lost one off of Techless's cape. But... Slaves of Darkness have a lot of things with dangling heads, and I've just, when the dangling heads break, I've just stopped gluing them back on. 
they could just have a chain hanging off them instead. It's fine. Well, that's fine, yeah. You wouldn't carry your head around forever. It's very much like an in-the-moment trophy, isn't it? Some mm-hmm. of them look pretty rotting, so I feel like some of them are carrying them around forever, but I personally would not, for sure. Maybe, hypothetically, those chaos guys. <laughs> Wrong-uns. <laughs> mm-hmm. How about you, Laura? Have you been up to any hobby? I've done quite a lot of hobby, I think. I think last time we podded, I was halfway through painting a Mutalith Vortex Beast. So I finished painting the Mutalith Vortex Beast. I am still undecided on whether it's a bit too bright for the rest of my army, but I'm not going to repaint it, so it's it's just what it is. (laughs) Not a high-stakes decision. (laughs) Yeah. I painted... Weird Hollow, both warbands from that, which I'm going to count as Age of Sigmar because they are technically usable in Age of Sigmar. That was really fun, actually. They were there's a Zinch warband with a lot of little gribbly demons, and there's a Stormcast warband, and they were both very fun to paint. Nice. And I painted some Chaos Marauders, which are actually Black Art Corsairs with shields, but I'm going to run them as Chaos Marauders narratively in my Slaves to Darkness army. And I painted a bank cloth. So yeah, quite a productive hobby month. There's a wow. lot. That's, That's a lot. It's a bit of a random a mix of things. things. But... Yeah. That's quite nice though sometimes, you know, to just sort of be able to dip in and out of different projects. And... Yeah. I'm kind of trying to clear out enough of the stuff I haven't painted that I can then buy a large amount of something TBC, possibly Seraphon. And not oh. feel bad about it. Well, you should feel bad about that, but for a yeah. different reason. Yeah, not just not financially, morally. Yeah. It would be if I do so far, it would be a narrative project rather than a particularly competitive oh, yeah. one. I think oh, but yeah. that was what I said about Slaves of Darkness, and I've oh, yeah. competitively. So we'll see. Oh shit! Actually, that has reminded me. I did paint three Agrodon answers. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Goonhammer dot com. So Goonhammer dot com. Nice kit. Like it, very satisfyingly chunky. Could probably have an army of mounted dinosaurs. It's legal. I probably won't. But, they seem uh, reasonably decent. I think they're the very good. One I think... game I've played against New Seraphon, the Agrodons did quite well. <laughs> Agrodons, I did a lot of. I did like a lot of comparative maths hammer with other heavy cavalry. I think with maths hammer, there's only ever so much that really tells you. But like as see at what sort of rough level they're on their rough level is pretty good mm. uh, yeah maybe not quite blood knights but very very close and they have different advantages to blood knights given that they can have minus one damage which is good we're talking about the rules it's in the not good. segment though it's horrible yeah i mean it, it's it's not <laughs> good for the game but it's good a yeah. good rule that you could have yeah now that I no longer own a minus one to damage army, I'm just completely <laughs> back to being it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so I could I could see that being a very fun army to play, or even just to have like, a few of them mixed into a regular Seraphon army. I say regular, yeah. there's no such thing as a regular Seraphon yeah. army. The way that book's written, yeah, they they yeah. all look wild. There's lots of seems like seems like at least quite a lot of different stuff is getting looked at. You know, it's all it yes. all seems like. Slightly yeah. too powerful, maybe, but but not, not at the, all at the same time. Is I think key. You can't really mix and match bits in that army. It doesn't work. It's not designed to work that way. Yeah. What hobby have you done, Rich? 
again, yeah, I was just looking at what I've what I have achieved this month. I think I painted the Cunning Crew from Warhammer Underworlds, which again, yeah, I'm gonna claim as Age of Sigma hobby. I bought I went hog wild and bought the Duncan Rhodes two thin coats paints on Kickstarter. Ooh, what they like? like the f they're all right. Yeah, they're quite nice. I'd say this first half of the range is it's a lot of it's in like color triads, and I think there's a good replacement for most things in the like the Citadel range. Obviously, it's not as broad. There are a couple of things I found lacking. Like I didn't think that greens were very good for uh, like orc skin. So I actually ended up I did mm -hmm. one, and I actually ended up repainting the Cunning Crew to like a a blue. I did like blues and then washed mm. them with green. So they're sort of a bit weird and swampy. My Cunning um, Crew are also blue. There's obviously they obviously but no. It's just their tracks, yeah. Color schemes or something. Otherwise, though, I'd say they're pretty much in their favour. They are really smooth and really consistent in that, like, I mean, maybe metallics aside, the metallics are very good in their own right, but, like, every paint feels, like, about the same thickness mm. and kind of consistency. It's not like, it doesn't feel like there's any particularly weak ones or, like, particularly thick ones, so that's nice. And the second half of the range should arrive, I think, in, like, August, and that has sort of a broader spectrum on the silvers it comes with some really bright like primary and secondary colors as kind of peak highlight options and then i think it it leads more into the sort of like the blue greens and the different reds and stuff so i think there'll be more option like they're a nice thing to have i think for someone getting into the hobby who wanted to like buy a range of paints they're perfectly viable I'm not sure I should have bought them or will like use them as effectively as I should, but I do really like them. So like, it's just that if if my brain goes, I should use Mechanica Standard Grey here. That is just what I tend to pick up. I don't tend to go well. Which of those or the Duncan ones or Vallejo? Like, which one is yeah. like? Which one do I want to use? Like, mm. yeah. So I think maybe part of that is. They make a like a specific rack for them that's labelled, so they're all in that. And actually, maybe if they were sort of mixed through my main paint rack in the right colour sections, that would make more sense. So, when the second half get here, I'll decide whether I, I'm going to like buy the specific rack for those or or sort of mm. rethink it. But yeah, they're nice. So, I paint the cutting crew with them. I paint some other cruel boys stuff as well. I've painted the. Killer Boss with Stab Grot and the Swamp Caller Shaman with Pot Grot. These I did not do with those paints. I didn't do them blue either, but I did them like what I've taken to calling Slap Chop Plus, which I like doing a lot, which is like your old underpainting with contrasts or washes and then sort of like going over with a colour to do like a, a, a thick highlight that kind of fills out patchiness as well and then like maybe one more highlight so it doesn't take long and i think you get a nice result out of it yeah they look really good. I'm pretty happy with those i'm just sort of trying to do the cool boy stuff as it arrives in stormbringer but okay like as matthew has sort of intimated at me before like i don't know that i actually really want the cool boys army but <laughs> the stuff is arriving so i'm gonna paint it 
I need to paint two more models, I think, to finish my Cool Boys army, and I'm so unmotivated to do it. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there soon. Yeah, there'll um, be a battle scroll soon, and that'll really motivate you, I'm sure. Yeah, they'll, they'll get they'll get a battle scroll improvement and go down again. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Other than that, I have painted a couple of bits for my Soulblight army, and, well, a couple of Soulblight bits for an army at some point. I've done the Veerkos Bloodborne, who are okay. I'm going to rate them okay. I'm not really happy with how the skin came out, so I might redo the skin, but otherwise I think they came out alright. Hmm. Also, they're like all skin. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so... I, I thought they were quite nice. When you... they're, but they're basically skin and pillar, aren't they? There's not much else to Yeah, them. I see. I'm happy with the pillars, the armour and hair and stuff. All looks fine. Skin, I think, is just a bit messy, and I am way happier with the skin I did on the Vampire Lord that I did, which is like way... Is that the woman with the bats in her hair? Yeah. Yeah. Admittedly, a much less skin on the model in general. But mm. I mean yeah. you can always you can always put that down to a difference between painting a character model and a and a unit. Yeah. I, I also have a feeling that maybe outside of a a little list later in the year, Bloodborne probably won't see the table that much. They're like a nice ninety point filler. Good. Yeah. They're pretty good. I think I think there's definitely arguments in a lot of lists for taking them over a random 10 skeletons, but like, they're so fast. I think it's but... a testament to how good the book is that you don't see them. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, did the Vampire Lord on foot as well. Really, really happy with how she came out. Yeah, she looks amazing. Yeah. Thanks. And now I have converted a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. I... Started thinking about converting the dragon and changing the pose, and then I gave up. Yeah. But I did convert that's the, the... That's the correct thing the, to do. Oh, I don't know where he's gone. That's alarming. Yeah, well, you've seen it anyway. I've converted the rider to be the top half is now Prince Deval, out of the Crimson mm. Court, except he is holding the banner from the Blood Knights rather than the sword, sword that he normally has. So that's like a lance, right? A banner, yeah. lance. yeah. 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 And I think it will be a cool centerpiece. So in the next just... Well, basically in the next month, I've got to paint him and 10 Blood Knights. And then I think them plus the the Verkos Bloodborne will be my half of a doubles list for a doubles event in July. So Cool. Yeah. So, of course, what I'm actually paying at the moment is Leagues of Votan. So. Thank <laughs> But I just need to finish this one unit, and then I'll be dry brushing a zombie dragon, I think. Cool. This hobby. What order do we want to do things in? I want to talk about games. Does that make sense? Catch up on games we've played before leaping into anything else? Or? Yeah, maybe that yeah. makes sense for, for the cool. going from that to the main topic. Well, I've just been talking for ages and I have more talking to do. So, you do, Laura. You've played all of the games. I've played a lot of games, actually. I don't even remember them all. <laughs> Laura, do you want to talk about game you have, though? Yeah, I'm trying to remember how many games I've played. The only one I'm 100% confident was since the last podcast was a game I played with Gargants. I think I might have played one with Caradron as well. I don't want to talk about either of them that much anyway. So I've got a friend who's just getting back into trying to play a Daughters of Cain army after having played Gargants for ages. So I've played a couple of games against him, one with Caradron, and then I decided I was being a bit overly mean playing mm. Caradron Overlords against Daughters of Cain. So I switched and played Gargants instead. I don't think either game is particularly worthy of being talked about at length because he was trying to pick up Daughters again and you know there was a lot of 
trying to remember the rules and forgetting that Daughters of Cain had a six-up ward for the whole of one of the games, which was not to his benefit, really. But yeah, it was... I mean, we're going to talk in a minute, I think, about sort of trying to learn new armies and sort of how we go about that. And after trying to get my head around Caradron Overlords, who are quite complicated, it was really nice just going back to Gargants with Kragnos, which is an army I know very well and has an awful <laughs> lot less complexity going on. So I very much enjoyed just running around, stomping on elves and having a good time. It was great. Uh, the main segment's all going to be us complaining about playing technical armies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. Nice, There's... Like, point and click, yeah. right? I don't want to ruin the questions section, but there was a question that made me think about what army, what types of army I enjoy playing. And it made me think, I don't think there's a, I definitely do not pick armies based on play style. Cause like, if you ask me what my absolute favorite army to play, it's like probably say Caradon Overlords, but I'd probably put Gargant second and they're completely different. You know, just opposite ends of the spectrum. But yeah, I find both of them very, fun and i think being able to sort of mix and match and try different things is enjoyable nice <laughs> trying to think of anything happened in this game that is actually worth talking about it was one of the few games i played with kragnos where the thing that he has done that has been good is not doing loads of damage to things because i was terrified of him having to fight marathi because i just assumed <laughs> that marathi would absolutely murder him but actually he tanked marathi for a couple of turns so he wasn't doing a lot of damage he was just putting his you know, yeah. standard three wounds on her. But actually his two up save and sort of reason you know, good survivability was actually really, really important, which was not she's how so, I've often seen Kragnos. Yeah, she's so yeah. swingy into yeah. good models. Did you unbind Mind Razor? I did once, but then yeah, my Gargant, who had any unbind ability, died. So I think she got right. it off later in the game, but possibly not when she was Am I right in thinking Mind Razor does extra damage on the charge now? Yes. Yeah. So I think she he I think she didn't have Mind Razor when she when she charged and then she got a bit bogged down in a combat with Kragnos. So the time she got Mind Razor yeah. off, she was already stuck in combat, so it didn't make a massive amount of difference. She really can get bogged down by stuff. Like I've never played with daughters, but I feel like they're one of the things I've probably played against the most, weirdly. Yeah. I've played and... a lot with Gargans against daughters so i you know i've had a lot of practice of trying to play around marathi with gargants when you're terrified she's going to murder them in a turn but if she doesn't she can get a bit yeah. sort of stuck and you know you can retreat out at the right times and things we had we ended up in a fun situation when marathi had three runes left and really wanted to charge my gatebreaker but he's got like the one shooting attack that can do four damage it was like mm. Are you feeling brave enough? Am I going to get this unleash hell off against you? Uh, and I think she was feeling brave enough, and he missed completely. But you know, it could have happened, and it would have been entertaining. But yeah, it was a fun game. I won. I ended up winning very easily on points because the gargants did the thing that they always do when they get on objectives and get ahead on points very early. And then yeah. in the end, he wasn't able to kill them early enough. But you know, it was still a fun game because the gar- most of the gargants did eventually die. So. You know, mm-hmm. I think my opponent got to enjoy killing things too. So yeah, it was fun. Good. Excellent. Other games that have happened. I had a game versus friend of the pod, Luke. He played in this Hedonites of Slash, which I think are the army I will be pairing my Soul Blight with at doubles in July. But this time I played Lumineth. Very themey matchup. Yeah, I can't 
really remember how this game went, other than it was it was quite close and quite back and forth. The Lumineth weathered Slanesh's like big charge way better than I expected them to. Because I'm kind of used to the army just falling apart. And then it went back and forth for quite a while, and then it ended as it quite often does with me having like techless and kind of half of another unit left. And Luke chose that point to spend almost all of his depravity points and summon a second Keeper of Secrets. <laughs> and that just ran away with it from there. I can't remember what the final score was. I can't remember if the actual final score ended up close or if it had a big swing in the last turn. But anyway, he won it, definitely. Well, that was a fun game. New Slanesh mm. seemed really like a good improvement from the previous book. Massive improvement. I also played Luke Slanesh with... My Deepkin, which again, I think was a very close game. And what you were saying about surprised to weather that initial charge, I think that initial hit <coughs> from Slanesh, unless they're doing the, the silly Bisbarb army, is surprisingly not that high impact damage. Like they're really fast, they get in very quickly, but it didn't hit super hard, like the slick blades. Damage one. They've got like yeah. a decent a lot of attacks. attacks looks crazy. But what's surprising about the army is that it like really kicks in the long game. Is they just get better and better, right? Like as when those more on. wounds come online, it suddenly yeah. goes crazy. And the and minus one to wound them or hit them. Minus yeah. one to hit, hit isn't it? And then oh, you God, hate it. That. He was running Glutos, who also has a minus one to hit aura. So there's no point even all that attacking yourself, like yeah. because. You're just fighting an uphill struggle at that yeah. point. Um, it's cool that Glutos is, you know, a decent unit to take now because it's <laughs> a really cool centerpiece kit and it was a bit sad when he was quite rubbish. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's such a cool model to actually see on the table. Hmm. I've just remembered that I think I've also played a game of Coward One Overlords against Friend of the Pod, Tom's Seraphon. It was very much a learning what Seraphon do in the new book game. And the main thing I took from it was that Saurus warriors are terrifyingly tanky and I hate them. <laughs> we ended up, we got into a fight between the Saurus warriors and a unit of mm -hmm. Thunderers and it went on for ages because no one could really do a lot of damage. But the Saurus, yeah, the, the Saurus' ability to tank was really good because I had a really strong start and took out most of his mounted stuff. So I killed some kind of Saurus on Carnosaur and his yeah, Agadons quite yeah. early. And I thought at that point I was going to run away with it. And then the Saurus warriors with a slan backing them up came really good and were really, really strong for scoring and just bogging stuff down and making a massive nuisance of themselves. So yeah, it was an interesting game. It was good to see what the new Seraphon stuff does. And the hunt uh, is it Hunters of Huanchi? Yeah, the, the uh, yeah. yeah, are really strong particularly strong against Cardon because you can't shoot them, you can't target them when they're in you cover or something like that. Yeah. yeah, so they just kept jumping around onto objectives and I couldn't do anything about it, which was quite annoying. <laughs> but they seemed like a you know they seemed like a fun unit. It was a good sort of tool to have. Yeah. Yeah, neat. Nice. And we played a game as well, Matthew. We did, yeah. I feel like we might have played two actually since the last pod, but Possibly. The last one we played was possibly the more... We did. We played 
Deepkin versus your Soul Blight. Soul Blight. And then we played Sylvaneth versus Soul Blight. Yes, which was super close. Super, super close. Right? I think they were both pretty close. Yeah. I think maybe the Deepkin one something happened and there was a there was an aspect of the storm going absolutely hog wild. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the boards. I think uh, that one ended up close on points, but was yeah. a pretty round thrashing from a models left alive point of view, and you mm-hmm. run away with it. It's like it ends close on points, except you then have two turns of uninterrupted scoring kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the classic sort of AOS. Yeah, but, but yeah, the, uh, the other game was very, very close indeed. Mm. So I tried out. I'm not. I'm not always one to sort of leap on meta lists, but I did try. Well, list was actually written by Matthew because I was running late, but it was the uh, we talked about it. So it was post nerf Neferata in Legion of Blood with two zombie dragons and three units of ten skeletons and a unit of ten blood knights, mm. and that's it, right? That is all you yeah. get. No Galician champions. <laughs> no Galician <laughs> champions. Absolutely zero fat in that list at all. Made her uh, battle tactics an interesting. One score. So, so. I always feel like that's just such a red herring. There's like one Galician champion battle tactic that's any good at all, and the other's just like unscorable. Yeah, it rules yeah. a few out, but like two of those three are so hard to score anyway. Yeah. I've but, never scored them, even when I've built yeah. them. I didn't score them. Yeah, and actually, Soul Blight benefits from having two to three pretty yeah. achievable ones in the book. That so. was, a, I think, that was the deciding factor in that game as well. Was that your book had good faction battle tactics and mine does not no. and I, you won by i think a point in the one end point, and one that, point there was in grand strats and all that stuff yes. so and there was at least one if not two turns where i couldn't score a battle tactic yeah there just weren't any so that was that's literally what did that in the end. yeah it was interesting actually playing with gargants I think unless you get lucky and can score one of the Gargant ones, none of which are sort of guaranteeable. There are mm. literally only four battle tactics it is possible <laughs> to score. Mm. <laughs> slightly sad times. Yeah. Yeah. I guess probably only relevant for another two months. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure. But... I, I can't imagine I'm going to go to another event with this GHB, to be honest. But I, mm-hmm. I do just think on principle, it's really rubbish to have an army that is completely locked out of half the battle yeah. tactics available. Like I realize I agree with you that apart from Cunning Maneuver, they're quite challenging ones, but I still just think in terms of game design space that it's not really a space that you should be in. Yeah, I'm I'm keen for like the gimmick GHB so maybe come to an end. Yeah. Mm. I think I think tried... we might get into this so we should not explore yeah. this too much right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Recycle our takes. <laughs> um, Reuse, recycle. There must be an Age of Sigmarified version of that. Reuse, reforge, reuse, recycle, reforge. Yeah, reforge yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> We've done the classic uh, thing of forgetting Stormcast Eternals exist in this game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these guys are here. So Ooh, that's games. Mm. So. We wanted to talk about, because it's the thing we're all doing a bit at the moment, 
learning new armies. So it's really hard, um, Rich. It's just really hard. Brain doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. I think the answer might be give Darren Watson fifteen pounds a month or whatever it is. But yeah, which I can't say I haven't considered recently. But... <laughs> yeah, whenever you take a huge L, you're like, oh, I could just pay a man. To tell me as a win at Warhammer. Ix my brain. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess some broad questions to think about here, but mm. do either of you have like a a method that you follow for learning a new army or any tips for doing so? Or or any learning through bad experience or good experience? It depends very much on the army, I guess. Like, I suppose when I, I'm stretching the definition of new army because I suppose I'm meaning Caradron Overlords, which I have actually owned for about three, four years. But they, they, I'm counting them as new because that's a new. It's book. only written, It's a new. It's a newish book, and I have never had a consistent period of playing them in match play. Like I've never taken a Caradron army to an event. You know, I've mm. played the occasional sort of semi-competitive game with them, but I've never played them in a tournament or anything like that or had a sustained run with them. And I think I find KO by far the hardest of the armies I've tried to learn because the possibility space for where they can be on the board at any one point is massive. Like mm-hmm. they're slightly less mobile than they used to be. But I feel like, you know, if you run your slaves if I'm running my slaves to darkness broadly you want to get the chosen into a big fight with something scary, and most things have a fairly sort of designated, very obvious role. Whereas I find that with KO, that's way less the case. Like you've got to be really good at target priority because your target priority can be anything. You know, you're not limited by you're much less limited by what can I actually get into combat with. You could shoot most things, and the sort of it just feels like there's a lot more decisions and that some of those decisions have much less obvious answers and that is something I have struggled with quite a lot, I think. I was going to say decisions as well because for me it's like the difference between the armies I've learned this edition would be like bone splitters and attempting to learn Sylvaneth at the moment and there <laughs> bone splitters is like there is one decision you make in the army and that is when do I call a war? Which is yeah. a massive decision, and it, you know it can win lose you games if you get it wrong. But it's only the one decision you really have to make. Whereas Sylvanath, a lot more decisions to make, and a lot more combos to execute correctly. That's the other thing I was going to say for like learning is that when you when you're writing your army list, this goes for any army list really, but like especially within your army where you are less able to adapt on the fly or know what your army can do like moment to moment is have a plan, execute plan. Sylvaneth have been trying my patience with is their ability to execute plan is <laughs> more <laughs> contingent on dice than I'm used to. Yeah. So like, the other armies I play tend to be very, well, not very, but like less reliant on specific like dice rolls going yeah. either way. You don't yeah. have I have failed this one spell, so now I should probably do nothing for the whole of turn one and that's yes. gonna be frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly, yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah. Knowing that okay, actually this hasn't worked, I have to now quit. Like I have to do something else with this turn is that's really hard. So like 
having to have a contingency with an army I don't know is really tough. Yeah. Mm. And I think long term that leans into like when you're doing your movement and things, you're mm. you need to be planning for like the upward path and the downward path, right? Which is always true in AOS to an extent because there's a bit of planning for like, do I get the double or don't I? Or do I get doubled? Yeah. Or don't I even as well? But yeah, when you're having to sort of do all of your movement and positioning with that in mind, it does mm-hmm. become a lot of mental load. And especially with an army like you were playing when we played, where, you know, like 900 points of your list is a Lariel. <laughs> yes. like, well, if you get one roll goes wrong and you're like, mm, I probably shouldn't just feed a Lariel to something, which you didn't in that game, but, you mm-hmm. know, it's a potential. But then... uh, yeah, the, other, the flip side of that is I was probably too cautious with her when I could have been playing more aggressively so again it's like with new armies again especially if you're taking models like Alariel, Nagash or whatever if that's part of your army they really have to do quite a massive amount of lifting but it's scary when they die and because it's Age of Sigma everything dies really quickly yes. if you're out of position if you are if you get things wrong if you get double turns so, yeah. yeah I think a really big part for me of trying to learn a new army is knowing what it is okay to throw things into and what it's not. And sometimes <laughs> mm. that just means you have yeah. terrible practice games because you go, well, I'm going to see whether if <laughs> yeah. I charge my frigate full of Endrin Riggers into this thing, maybe they'll be all right. And if they're not, it's not going to be fun times. Oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, you have to get the sense of what they can do against different armies, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Will it yeah. kill Yes, no. Yeah. Will it yeah. land? So, do you find this process fun? Is it fun learning a new army, or is that limited to when you start winning games? <laughs> I think it always is at first, right? Like the first few games you play with a new army is really exciting because, firstly, depending on whether you're playing the games in real life or tabletop simulator i guess you've got yeah. hey i've got these cool models and they're on the table but also you yeah. you know you've got the possibility space is endless and you probably have 20 list ideas you want to try and that i think that is enjoyable yeah massively it's massively more enjoyable to do it in real life as always with all warhammer but yeah uh, yeah definitely that like that new model thing is is the most exciting part of it really yeah. it's it's why most people do it right not everyone yeah. but yeah I definitely I, think. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on, Laura. No, you go. I've been talking loads. <laughs> yeah, I hate this. These podcasts, people just keep talking. Ugh. I think the the fun bit for me is definitely like the painting the new model and then the putting on a table and then you know half the time it then just gets eaten by something. <laughs> but I have been enjoying doing this with Soul Blight, and I'm sure that is nothing to do with their like 65 percent win rate or. <laughs> The fact that they're like, I can just be scrolling my Twitter timeline and have like quite detailed analysis of Soulblight lists pop up at the moment, it seems. So maybe I'm paying more attention. But uh, yeah. yeah, they're also quite in like a moment to moment playing. You always have quite a lot to do with Soulblight. You feel like you're quite engaged in the game in a way that maybe some armies aren't because you react a lot more in your opponent's turn with them. Yeah. Or you have there's that a, possibility to. There's a lot to do without it feeling like some armies do where you're like maintaining an infinite plate spinning machine you know like the things that exist are hardy in their own right and can move and fight in their own yeah. right 
it's not it's not like Lumineth where you're building the castle and then springing out your mm. ten wind riders to do some kind of critical strike at the right moment, or it doesn't feel quite like that at least. Yeah. But it's up to yeah. me. I guess if I had a, a tip as well for like learning to play a new army is like know know where the mechanics of your army are front loaded and maybe be prepared for how long that will take and like playing those turns out. So like I said, if you're playing something like Lumineth or Zinch, you kind of need to have an, an idea in advance how you're looking to do those hero phases. Yeah, because otherwise a- long hero phases can, can suck for everyone. Yeah, that's the thing I really don't enjoy about playing a new army actually the bit, especially with Caladon. I'm still at the point where I need a cheat sheet for them and to be sort of mm-hmm. checking, have I done this? And that I don't enjoy at all. Like I enjoy games much more when I know yeah. the rules enough, you know, that maybe I have to look at the occasional war scroll card, but I don't have to keep stopping and going, have I forgotten to do things? Other abilities I've just totally forgotten I have access to. So I, you know, when I get to the point when it's in my head enough that I can do that bit is definitely mm-hmm. more fun. I think yeah. the more recent battle terms are just more complicated than the older ones as well. Uh, so this again entirely army dependent. Yeah, I think a thing I find really really useful and I've really struggled with weirdly with KO is to be able to watch competitive battle reports with the army, so you can see somebody knows what they're doing using it and mm. kind of reassure yourself that you are doing. You know, <laughs> there's usually some mechanics that you you have a sort of am I actually doing this right kind of thing yeah so just sure. reassuring yourself you are understanding the rules right and seeing mm-hmm. how somebody knows what they're doing uses the army and with caradon i find it weirdly difficult to find because i find a lot of the battle report channels i tend to watch at the moment maybe don't tend to play like sort of more competitive leaning lists mm, yeah. uh, and i've struggled a little bit to find battle reports that just have, you know, people i, I don't necessarily want to watch the 30 thunderers list because that isn't the list i'm trying to play <laughs> but I just yeah I don't know if, if you've got a good suggestion for a KO battle report I should be watching tweet us and tell us about it because I would actually, please do. find it really helpful to watch some more. AOS YouTube kind of sucks. Wish it was better. Maybe it is. Yeah, no, it exists. I like I do like tabletop tactics AOS coverage. Obviously they are 40k first and foremost. I do like their AOS coverage, but. It's quite often like it seems like it's definitely the thing they're playing for fun. Like yeah. they seem to be using their own armies way more than like you know, mm. they have big armies that they have for like the studio for like every 40k faction. And it seems like for AOS a lot more they're using their own stuff and it's like mm. their passion yeah. things. But but they're also they're then all, not they're playing quite new very as well, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they're quite new to AOS. it and not playing very competitive like tournament lists. Whereas I mean, they don't only do that in 40k, but they clearly have like a much closer competitive understanding of 40k, I think. So, yeah. I think there's probably some of the more sort of competitive stuff is hidden behind like Patreon paywalls and stuff, which, you know, is fair enough, I guess. I just haven't yet explored that space. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't really looked into that, to be honest. Rather pay for myself to play games than to watch other people play games but maybe it's worth it so learning new armies talking about playing it and sort of getting to a comfortable level 
how many games do you feel like you have to play before you do feel comfortable? Because I've I've sort of had that conversation with people in the wild before, and hmm. some of the answers are mind blowing. So okay. I'm interested to see what you two yeah. think. Ten. Yeah, probably also in the ten space. I feel yeah. like if you're a really competitive player, you're probably saying like fifty or something. But yeah. realistically, I might play fifty games with an army ever. I'm not going to play fifty games yeah. with an army before I start trying to yeah. be vaguely competitive with it. So yeah, probably think... five to ten, depending on the army. I think like Gargant's maybe more in the five space. Coward one definitely more in the ten space. And I don't think I've yeah. played ten games with them yet. I think that's probably what I would say as well in terms of what's realistic and what I actually managed to achieve. I've definitely spoken to multiple people who've been like 20, at least 10 with the exact same list sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. we're, was, we're not a podcast to... called 5-0. and oh, Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> if I was going to like six to eight tournaments a year, like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm going to like two to three. So that yeah. changes that. And I have like geographical limitations on how many games I can actually play. So, you know, it's, I feel like, yeah, five to ten is a reasonable number. Fives, you really want to be playing a, quite a simple army yeah. <laughs> at that point, right? Like, yeah. But yeah. yeah. There's good, uh, some good resources out there. Like, I don't recommend taking it to a tournament and playing from it but i think aos reminders is a really good tool to sort of plug mm. your army list into and have a sheet for when you're playing a practice games of like what should i be doing in what order and you can you know within within the in the hero phase stuff you can refine what mm. is a yeah. sensible order for you to be doing things as well but i find that quite useful to have that all written down i don't like playing off it because it Feels like you're spending too much time with your face in a pile of paper. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And the I don't know how up to date it is at the moment, but the Honest Wargamer has that spreadsheet tool that's kind of meant to help you think through what your plan is with an army. Oh, I think that's quite. It's quite a big spreadsheet, and I've never really had the patience to do it properly. But I think conceptually making yourself think about some of the questions it asks mm-hmm. you is probably quite a good idea. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that. I'll have to check it out. No, neither am I. It was so, it was a little while ago, so I don't know okay. how up to date it is with the current version of the game, but I think it kind of asked you questions about how you were going to actually play the army and made you sort of think through what your plan was a bit. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that definitely seems like, even if there's not a tool like that, that, that is the fundamental question, right? Just what are you trying to achieve and how, how are you planning on doing it? I don't know. Yeah. There was a I don't know if we talked about this last episode maybe. I don't think we did. There was quite a good article on plastic crack about like yeah, it was it was pretty verbose but on sort of like <laughs> the things that people don't always think about doing in AOS. Yeah, a little. Well, yeah, I'm not here to drag people, but things and things that people don't think about, like retreating and like not just charging everything forward and pushing models forward yeah. in the line. Yeah, and I do think it's worth a read. Like tone aside, you know, you you either get on with the tone or you don't. But I do think a lot of the points made in that were fairly genuine. So maybe we'll link that in the show notes. By which I mean I will absolutely forget to link that in the show notes. Uh, it's easy enough to find. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. We've been blessed with a big pile of questions, so we should probably keep moving. Oh, yeah. Any any last thoughts on learning new armies before we move on? I guess I'd say, like, especially because you talked about the excitement of new models, we've got a cat. We have a cat. We do. I'm hoping it's not making a noise, but we'll see. Not that I can hear. Not yet. She might scream into the microphone at some point. You never know. If you're actually trying to learn an army properly, resist the temptation to chop and change your list loads. You don't have to go full Silmania. But (laughs) like throwing the baby out with the bathwater is also necessarily the best way to learn. um, Because you're just starting from scratch all over again. You, you yeah. know, if you take an army and you get absolutely battered, unless there's something fundamentally wrong with it, there's usually enough that you can learn from a loss to you need to play to apply to your next one. You need to play like four games, I think, with a list to really like. You need a couple of goes at going first, going second, playing different yeah. types of armies. Like, and you can yeah. tweak bits. Okay. You could take a take a unit out, put another unit in, change artifacts, change spells, stuff like that's like obviously fine. But like maybe keeping core concepts intact is is I think important. Yeah. And play against different armies as well. I think you can easily just play against the same thing three times and yeah, you don't, it doesn't, you know, if that thing is Gargants or Caradon or something, you haven't tested yourself against the kind of armies you're going to be playing most of the time. Yeah, and AOS can, there can, there can be an element of rock, paper, scissors. It's not maybe as bad as it can have a reputation for, but it does exist. Definitely. I think there are just counters to some things. Mm-hmm. So. Expand your horizons. Don't just play the same one friend over and over again if that's an but option. Rich, I've only got one friend. <laughs> well, then, I'm sorry to hear it. I feel like I should be offended by this if the implication uh, is yeah. that Rich is one, of one us, friend. One of us should, Laura, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe both of us because he's actually talking well, about Chris. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Right, well, you know, beef aside. Um, Just FAQs. engineering new beef. Oh, yeah, yeah. FAQs happens. Engineering new beef. <laughs> there was there were some FAQs in the last week or two. Just not major, just for Soul Blight and OBR and two new battle tomes, right? Or newest. They have affect us quite a lot. It's entirely possible the KO ones were since the last podcast as well, but I honestly can't remember, so let's, let's just ignore them and pretend they weren't. Possibly, yeah, because we talked about... We didn't do a lot like with the KO ones. Books they, did, though. Last they made Thunderers better, bafflingly, which was not really a thing yeah, that needed to happen. What, just <laughs> what no, they I needed. I don't think they were too dramatic. Yeah. Whereas yeah, so- Light, they looked at what people were taking in the first couple of weeks after the book came out and decided it's just like shove it into the trash can. Well, it's wow. not that bad, but it's quite a dramatic series of adjustments in that that I yeah. wasn't expecting. No, I think the Neferata one was fair enough. Right? I think feel like one, that was probably not intentional. One of the Neferata ones was fair enough. I don't necessarily think she deserved the double whammy. But... So Neferata was probably the main thing in the book, right? Barring a couple of tidying tidying up things on like Blood Knight's movement and stuff. Yeah. But so Neferata's two nerfs were her redeploy in your own territory at the end of yeah. deployment. They updated the wording to say it still had to represent the like the real deployment map effectively. So 
if your normal deployment said you had to stay nine inches away from enemy territory, you couldn't suddenly redeploy nine inches further forward in your territory, which so it's not a free a extra of, move. Yeah, a lot of what that double zombie dragon list was benefiting from, and the other big thing it was benefiting from was her war scroll spell, which gave you well, it gave a, a target unit ignore negative modifiers to yes. saves. And that has now shifted to ignore all modifiers to save. So another ethereal tool. Mm-hmm. So you've gone from having effectively a one vampire lord on a zombie dragon on an unren- unrendable three up and one on an unrendable two up in any given turn to both being on unrendable three ups. Yeah. If it goes right, which it doesn't, I can assure you. <laughs> you have to remember to leave Neferata near your zombie dragon for a start. Yeah, but... you do, you do um, have to do that. So, I think uh, the, the, the change. The deployment one's fine. That was, I don't think, intentional. You shouldn't be able to just like slap things down on the line. Obviously, there are plenty of armies in the game that have pre game moves or abilities to do that, but. It's generally not of the quality that Soulblight was able to do, right? There's a world of difference between moving up some Night Runners at the start of the <laughs> game and moving up Neferata, two Zombie Dragons and ten Blood Knights onto the onto the literal edge of your territory. So that fine. That's probably all that needed to be changed. And then maybe if she was still oppressive change it again they have plenty of opportunities to target things more than once given that a battle scroll is coming up relatively soon presumably so the the change to her spell seems a bit egregious to me it's what her spell used to do in the old book and that wasn't a problem so i'm unsure why it's a huge problem now zombie dragons are a bit better I mean, one would assume that the old Soulblight book was written with Bird at least slightly in mind, but it mm. it was a second ed book, so I mean, save stacking was maybe not quite the thing that we've seen it become at that point. Oh. But yeah, like like you say, it, it, it lived through a lot of third ed in that book, so without getting nerfed, so... Mm. But nevertheless, I think the Legion of Blood Army is still good. Neferata is still very good. You'll still see her, and you'll still see that army. Like and the inherent didn't... things it does are still good. The, you know, like the plus one cast for your vampires, plus one attack for your vampires. The redeploy is maybe not amazing. Dark Mist is still a very good spell. She still has the minus one to hit aura. You know, there's still a lot going on there. So yeah, you'll still see it, and it probably won't win sixty percent of those games, which is good. <laughs> well, yeah. Perfect. They they didn't do anything right about like the other big potential like Addie and Radicala Beast being able to just like rampage across the board. Not not that I think that's the thing that needs FAQing because he's not. No, um, but zombies are probably the other problem. Like the hello, I have one million zombies army with a, all with a five at wards, but. There's so few people who have got that, but it doesn't really matter. It's not, yeah, it's not a huge deal. And they did very slightly nerf zombies in the fact as well. 
So you're prepared to was... paint that many zombies, I feel like you ought to get some kind of benefit from it. I mean, or you receive the ultimate thing that two players of that list at AOS Worlds this weekend received, which was playing each other. Uh... There's a really good photo somewhere of two guys just basically setting up their zigzag lines of deep strike denial <laughs> against each other. <laughs> Miserable, really mad. Miserable. That I think, I think that it was sort of like a a meme ick, rather than being like an unfortunate draw because yeah, it was it really memes. But strong temptation to just at the start of that game look at my opponent and go, "What's her draw?" Pint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then presumably, Laurie, you have some strong feelings about this shark bone reapers. Yeah, I think it was fine, really. So. They changed the Petroflex Elite faction ability, so it was previously minus one damage against what are they called Necropolis Stalkers and Immortus yeah, Guard. Yeah. yeah, which probably was just too good. Like we've talked, we said already on this pod that minus one damage is really, mm-hmm. really good, and it's also just not very fun. So they have changed it to minus one to wound in melee against those units. I as think, good. which as good. yeah, I think I think the fact it's only melee is actually quite a significant mm. difference because, yes. you, you know, Cowdron are quite big in the meta at the moment and it's significantly less good against Cowdron. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's still a very strong ability. I just think it's less of a negative play experience to play against. I would massively rather play against someone that has a minus one to wound because, yeah. you know, you've got stuff like Finest Arrow that can counter it. You've got the odd other ability around. And I just really hate minus one damage. So I think I think it's a good change. They're still good. You're still going to see them, but they're more vulnerable to shooting. It's probably very marginally less good than minus one damage overall. So, yeah, I like it. There was, I think generally there were a few other fairly sensible sort of OBR clarifications and changes. And then there was a baffling nerf to Gothazar Harvesters where... <laughs> I'm going to get the nuances wrong, but essentially they can only... They're less good at resurrecting it's, it's a huge stuff change, than they right? used to be. So it used to be whenever anything died near them yeah. ever. So that included when your OBR killed other things, and now yeah. you're only bringing back but also in from a... one unit when when stuff from that unit has died. And only at the end of the combat phase, so previously also triggered against shooting, yeah. so it's another yeah. weakness to shooting built yeah. into the army, because you, if you're more tech get shot to bits they don't come back yeah so yeah it's quite a strange i'm not quite sure what drove it because i don't think we were seeing a lot of gothazar harvesters i don't think we've um, seen, they only work with mortec yeah. and yeah they only work at all with mortec now and but mortec aren't very good so yeah, yeah. Bit, I think harvesters were quite good but i'm yeah i'm not quite sure what drove the need for that to change but then i also don't think there's a lot of people out there who are desperate to run Mortec Guard with Gothazar Harvest Armies at the moment, so maybe no. it doesn't really matter that much. No. But like you said, it's like the book maybe had already had a bit of an internal balance problem and that doesn't yeah. help. Yeah. But yeah, I thought generally the OBR FAQ was fine. I was happy enough with it. Good. That's good. Cool. Not going to start posting YouTube videos about it or anything. <laughs> No, for whatever reason, I'm just not feeling super excited to play my OBR army at the moment. I'm more excited by Caradron right now. So I'm sure I'll pick the OBR up again, but I played them quite a lot last year. I think they just need some bigger changes to happen. You know, if I wanted to play them, I would probably go out and buy some more of the bigger constructs because at the moment I only have six stalkers. I'm not feeling 
hugely excited at the prospect of building and painting more of them right now. So I'll wait until I do, and then I'm sure I'll pick them up again at some future point. Nice. Well, you are one of the only people in the world who ever becomes in danger of like running out of things in your shame pile. So it may be one 20 week. models currently, though I do have a birthday coming up, so it might Damn. go a bit wrong at that point. I don't know if I've got fewer than 20 armies in the pipeline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can see more than 20 models just discarded on the shelf above my computer in various stages of painting. So, Actually, genuinely, that might be true for behind me. Exactly. Not yeah, saying it's, you're wrong it's like 40 or bad, Laura, me, uh, just that you make me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Look, you try painting gossip with arches. That's all I'm going to say. No. No, I don't think I will. Five <laughs> of the models in my shame pile are chaos knights, which are an absolute nightmare to paint, so I'm not very excited to do that. Mm, yeah. I slightly regret buying them if I don't. No, you already have, you already have them, right? I have five. Ten will be a significant improvement. Um, Definitely. But I need to paint them first. <laughs> I don't particularly want to. Yeah. One downside of AOS over 40k is if you paint them one at a time, you can't like build them into lists one yeah. at a time. Yeah. I think with the first set, I sort of interspersed them with Chaos Warriors. So I painted like the whole of the... So they start to start collecting blocks, and they would do like a couple of chaos warriors, and then a knight, and then a couple more chaos warriors. Um, nice. But the only things I still have to do for slaves to darkness now are those knights. Actually, no, I've got two small heroes, so yeah, maybe I'll mix up a bit. We'll see. We'll get there. Something about my brain absolutely refuses to like grasp the idea of not painting a unit all at once. Yeah, but with ten blood knights to do, I think I really need yeah. to. I really need to like not do that <laughs> i don't think they'll be very fun to paint in fives so maybe yeah because they're chunky there's a lot of surface area we'll see right it's question time you ready we've had another fantastic round of questions that didn't sound very enthusiastic I'm yeah, sorry. you're saying they're fantastic had another Fantastic round of questions. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Questions, which I am going to read some of, and we're going to answer them. I think I am going to start with this one from Squiz, who says, Lots of people seem to have favourite factions or armies. What are yours? Multiple, if you like. And what do you think makes you like them more than others? Is it lore reasons, the miniatures, playstyle on the tabletop, or something else entirely? Any thoughts? Laura, do you want to start giving you sort of semi-answered this question? All right. I mean, for me, it's definitely Dradin. If I'm honest, I actually think the main reason I like Dradin is because I am quite short and Dradin are quite short. I think that's the fundamental <laughs> basics of it. But it, I guess it's it's lore, lore more than anything else, I think, particularly fast layers. I really like fast layer lore. I kind of really like the concept of sticking to your oath regardless of whether that oath is a good thing or a bad thing, if that makes sense. There's there's a, an AOS short story I really, really enjoy about fire slayers who accidentally take an oath to Servants of Corn and sort of go down really bad paths, and it's a really cool book. So, yeah, I really like that. So it's like... really into getting Brexit done. God. <laughs> Thanks Red, for ruining my love of Dwarden. <laughs> 
No, I think I think yeah, fundamentally law is the main thing that draws me to an army and then I need to like the miniatures and not hate playing them. But yeah, I think that's the main driver for me. Nice. Mm. We're having a me and Rich having a stare off. I'm gonna give two answers. Fleshy to courts because they were my first AOS army. I've played them a huge amount, not recently, but <laughs> like in my in my AOS lifetime, I've played them a huge amount. I have had an enormous amount of fun playing them. I think their playstyle has been very fun throughout pretty much every iteration of AOS. And if I wasn't depressed with how badly they were painted, I'd still be playing them now. I am, so that has put me off them, but I still love them. And then the other army that I love is Lightning Thiepkin. That is for models. The law was sort of okay. They're, sort of, they're basically Drakari, but fantasy. Like, really, they are Drakari, but fantasy, which is not the most inspiring. But they have had one pretty good Black Library novel, so that helped a lot. But uh, they're my favourite model range GW have ever done. So that that's what really inspired me with them. And then with the playstyle, it's been like learning to love it. Because they're not how I'm naturally inclined to play. Which is, I'm naturally quite a defensive player. Also not how Flesh Courts traditionally play. But yeah. Did you like the Deepkin range as soon as it came out? Did you see them and go, this yeah. is the RB for me? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. They're mean to their pets. That's what puts me off them. Don't I really? They're really yeah. cool models, but I don't like that the eels and the turtle are sort of enslaved rather than their their own weeble. Yeah, I mean, I'm also a vegetarian, so you know, I just full hypocrite mode with my oh, with my free, AOS free army choices. I see, I see. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Oh, I'm into the flesh eaters, like for the. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. There's no rhyme or reason as to why. <laughs> Why I, I like anything? Yeah. I thought this was. I am a vegetarian, so the animal abuse is oh, yeah. excused. Uh, so I punch every dog I see, <laughs> but I'd never eat one. Well, small mercies. <laughs> what about you, Rich? Uh, for me, I definitely have multiple. Like sticking to well, I have a like. I'm big into sci-fi and things and have always said like things that will make me love a bit of media like no matter how bad it actually is are like things coming into and out of like the warp or teleporting or like anything that involves like a drop pod or drop ship or like things Big ships docking with little ships and things like that. So, okay. big nerd. Obviously, that leads me down Space Marines in 40k. Yeah, but I hear they're massively into docking. <laughs> Special docking ports in their armor. The that I think the like the thing that this sort of highlighted for me the most recently is I read Plague Garden. Hmm. Is that what it's called? The yeah. the Hallowed Knights novel about Gardas going into the Garden of Nurgle and that I thought like really got me I thought it was a really good characterization of Stormcast. That actually got me to build a Stormcast army 
that was themed around that book, basically. Other than I put the cool new units in it, not Liberators. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> listener Michael is going to be raging at me for that comment. Yeah, so that otherwise I quite like elves. Laura's shaking heads. <laughs> There's Sub-pro a real elf like, podcast. Real mm. dichotomy of I love the sort of elven like poised, perfect bladesmanship kind of thing. But I also really like the sort of big brute absolutely smashes stuff with a big club, two handed club sort of thing. So I've got an ogre army. <laughs> so yeah, I think the vibe is probably the real answer. Like lore and vibe. Miniatures definitely come into it. Like I'm getting into Soul Blight because I think one of the first issues of White Dwarf I had was when they relaunched Vampire Counts for Fantasy. Yeah, same. yeah I guess that makes sense because we're similar ages. Hmm. I actually found that issue recently in a local, like, old comic shop and bought it for like a pound so i just have that on my shelf now they had this really cool art of a horde of zombies on the front and then yeah talk about the new range and a really cool battle report is that against high elves i think so yeah yeah which would explain a lot actually (laughs) that's the other thing i'm really into but that like i guess a lot of the soul blight stuff now especially the stuff that i'm into like the vampires and the cavalry and then the shambling hordes of skeletons sort of look now how that felt to me as a memory so 100 yeah so that sort of miniatures aspect coming to play style i think doesn't tend to come into it up front for me i'm way more mm. likely to excitedly build and paint an army and then discover that i don't like its play style than i am to think about picking an army on that basis same. Although I've never found an army that I hated playing with. But no, yeah. I mean Warhammer's quite fun overall. <laughs> Matthew holding off a tree lord of camera. It's too early to hate it, I'm afraid. It is, yeah. We've had ten games, yeah. You gotta do your practice. I think the only army where I've ever gone in playstyle first was Bone Splitters, and then they changed the playstyle one hundred percent immediately after I bought that army. So wow. Uh, fortunately they're still fun but it's probably the worst way to get into an army yeah yeah i think so if you're not a person that's like rushing through everything or getting everything commissioned for a tournament season yep actually gargants Uh, i guess i got into because i i wanted an army that could just run on land on the table and stomp on things and hit them i think that was was my main driver and they're very fun i have no regrets that's reasonable that's still my motivation behind the ogres as well, but unfortunately, I'm just like completely unwilling to paint four more f- stone horns, so I don't have the actual reality of that army. <laughs> I should, I think, because the stone horn is like the only nicely painted thing in that army. <laughs> so I could do a load more, but right, let's answer some more questions. Oh, scrolling down the list, judging people. What has been your favourite General's Handbook so far, and what would you like to see from the next one? That's from Roxin. Hmm. I quite liked the first one in ARS 3, so the sort of monster-themed one. I think I think the way they implemented the monster stuff was good, because it meant there was cool stuff you could do if you had monsters, but if you didn't, you could also get extra points for killing the monsters, and that was nice. I don't think the battle tactics were as balanced as they might have been, but they were 
okay. And by the end of that year, I feel like the scenarios got to a really good place when they'd done like a balanced pass on them and they were really yeah. good. Yeah, I liked that one. Yeah, in this edition, I totally agree that was that was the best one. Yeah. The first one. And they're getting worse, which is a bit worrying. <laughs> in terms of older ones, I don't know. I'm I have a real fondness for like the first one just because I played loads of it. And... Revolutionary change compared to AOS one without a GHB. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually, like those battle plans were pretty good. So they stood the test of time for a long time because they were the basis for a lot of GHBs. And I think that those battle plans are still the basis for like, border and stuff. Are still in the the core rulebook yeah. match play ones. I think yeah, I think yeah. So. or something yeah. very similar to it, if not that exact one. I think like obviously every GHB match play terms they sort of excised all the narrative stuff that was in previous ones which is a bit of a shame not the end of the world I don't think that ever saw a lot of use realistically and there are better places for stuff like love apotheosis to live than a GHB but they always try to experiment with like new funky things and that's okay that can be okay and it can it can be bad the most important thing is like battle plans right it's battle plan battle yeah. plan battle plan yeah yeah, I think broadly, I just, I think I agree that the monsters one was my favorite in terms of these seasonal ones in implementation. I didn't really vibe with last season at all, Galvets. Yeah, I like Gal Champs more than Galvets, I think, but yeah, I do think it's a little well. Champions was maybe a little bit, but the. Sorry, Veterans was a little bit, but I think Champions feels even more like there's a couple of armies that basically it's just no use for. Yeah. I think the scenarios um, are the bigger problem in the current one. Yeah. It's just a lot of yeah. scenarios I just really don't like. And I think them trying to push hard battle tactics makes external balance between books even worse. Because yes. actually they're one of the most... They've done a fairly good job generally. I mean, let, cruel boys aside... The third edition books have done a fairly good job of like having units be roughly like the things generally perform like similarly to each other within like the boundaries of what they're supposed to be doing. I think that's not too out of whack. Again, like the very very top and the very very bottom of that spectrum, there there are some things that need worked out. But generally, like that works out okay. But like the big thing now that I think where there are huge variation in quality between armies is quality of politics. Like. There's a point somewhere around Doc and a bit after where they just got way better really quickly. Yeah. It's like if you're playing Stormcast, you like, like genuinely I think you have no good battle tactics and like But you do have to eight eight Galvet Gal champs on the board, so although <laughs> not in any competitive Stormcast army at the moment, but Yeah. Knight Bexel is a a, a Gal Gal yeah. Champs. Yeah, okay, excellent. Maybe still a relictor as well, actually. Yeah. But six night vexlers with the with the mortal wound banner. God. That's a build. That's a whole it's build. A, it's a build. Someone took was that a world's list? That or was that I've, a, I've seen I've seen it kicking around. I saw yeah. it at an event, but yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not sure. Look, sixty three mortal wounds is a lot. <laughs> Turns out, yeah. <laughs> Uh, second half of the question: What would you like to see from the next one? A, I would like it to last a year. Yes, just because I'm 
don't want to keep spending thirty plus pounds on a book that I use three times. Although you know, I could go to more events as well. <laughs> That'd be better. I would like. I can twist the question. I don't really know what I want to see from the next GHB, albeit if it's going to be a gimmick one. I want it to be cavalry because I'm building an army that has a lot of cavalry in it. <laughs> but again, like I'd rather it wasn't. I think. I would like to see some of the things they've tried and learned from the GAB, GHBs like incorporated into the core rules more so than I think I would like some specific yeah. changes in GHB. Yeah. Maybe that ties into another question we've got. Uh, so unless can, anyone's got anything more big, on... We can have a big disagree over that question. GHB specifically, I would like to see some battle plans with larger number of objectives come back. I think yeah, it's really good yeah. when there are a few battle plans that have six or eight objectives, yeah, which is really missing in the current one. A bit. few weird deployment zones. I'd like to just yes. go back to more... Have a couple? Fine. But there's too many just like either really yeah. small or the corner L's are just yeah. annoying to deploy in. I think in particular the really small ones are just rubbish if you have, for example, a bone type nexus. Like yeah. just just don't the you should always have enough space that you can fit all your stuff on mm-hmm. without having to think I will leave my faction terrain that I paid money for off the board because it is actually disadvantageous to me to place it. Yeah, I agree. I hadn't really tweaked before, but it feels like because the deployment maps now always work on these like segmented pictures of the board, which map to, if you're using the fold-out cardboard boards, map mm-hmm. to the segments of those, that it hadn't occurred to me that they basically completely replaced like diagonal deployment with L-shaped deployments. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not into it. I think I, yeah, I sort of like a few more where you can start really close as well. Because there used to be a couple where it was like you were starting like 18 inches apart. What if you could be 11 to... inches apart? What more do you want? <laughs> well, yeah, but isn't it through some weird corners? Like there used no. to be one where the... there no? is just one where parts of your oh, God. army can, in bits of the board, you can be 11 inches apart. I've clearly just I never rolled that this... one. I haven't been playing this wrong, right? There is. What's it called? Hours for the taking, something like that, okay. I want to say. I've intentionally been playing like only three battle plans from right, this GHB. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get up and check because my cat is asleep on my lap, but if yeah. someone's got the GHB handy, check if oh, I got well, that right. Someone can let the drives engagement email us if we're wrong. <laughs> no. no one will email us if we're wrong. <laughs> They'll just uh, so, sit so- there judging me. Silently judging while they're on the bus or yeah. train or wherever they are. Following on from that question a bit then. Question from Neil. If you had to do an elevator pitch to the AOS lead for changes you'd like to see in AOS 4, what would it be? And because it says elevator pitch, I'm going to suggest that we actually stick to that and it's 30 seconds of, of what and why. Not exactly, I'm not going to time you. But. <laughs> I would like to ditch battle tactics and grand strategies. Um, broadly, I think the game's in an okay place. I don't want dramatic changes, but it is just a little bit too complicated, and that feels like a thing you could really easily strip out to make it a bit simpler that wouldn't take away from the game experience mm. for me. Yeah, go back to more missions with a secondary condition kind of within yeah. them. Yeah. 
yeah, less mental load in general is always something that I'm searching for in life. Yeah. So. And less stuff that can unbalance factions. You know, battle tactics, the difference in battle yes. tactics between books is more important than it should be. 100%. Mine would be, again, following on from sort of learning things from the make coherency less ridiculous than it is currently. Yes. Especially for, like, I don't mind it so much for, like, infantry, but, like, it's patently weird in cavalry. I noticed the new yeah. 40k, the change in coherency kicks in in units over six rather than over five, and yeah, I think that huge. would actually genuinely solve it's a huge amount. change. Yeah. And sort of tagging on to that, I would like them to keep the fighting in ranks thing that Galician veterans had last season. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Again, it just takes mental load out. You're measuring loads of gaps between models rather than trying to measure like two inches over a model. Yeah. Matthew, anything else? I would like more design language around types of units. I think one thing they've really butted up against this edition is being able to describe a kind of guy. Mm. And they've been like, okay, so a unit without a mount that has a wounds characteristic of X, Y, Z, and this keyword, and you just think, man, you could just have one word for this. And yeah, then heavy infantry. Yeah, or just like expanding the battlefield roles, because it's weird that we're in third edition and it's just like hero, battle line, artillery, they have other. Yeah. Uh, and it's not called other, it's just blank, actually. But everyone not, calls it's it. It's called units, yeah. right? Like in the in the yeah, uh, and, Maybe if we had, you know, some more some more language there to be able to describe things, like maybe you can differentiate between kinds of hero. Then again, if you've got that kind of language, you can use it to maybe alleviate some of the spam issues that the game has by, you know, if you have a you've got the language there from old fancy battle, right? If you just import rare and special as categories, you can then start putting hard caps on those kinds of units. So you can be like, oh, okay, this unit is special. So actually you can only have four of them. And then if you want to spam some battle unit or something else, then then that should work fine. But as it is, they just, there's, I think, not enough levers there for them to pull. Yeah. And then at the same time, that you could ditch reinforcements and yeah. just go back to yeah. how it used to be. Because yeah. So I saw another one. I would like them to distinguish match play and competitive play. Same thing. <laughs> I think there's other things you could do. The only way of playing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to do it in 40 I'm not overly convinced, but um, mm. I'll see how it goes. Okay. Well, I didn't realise the... that was part of New 40K, so that's interesting. Right. The community online has immediately willfully misinterpreted it as bad faith as they possibly could. So, um, I, I, it's, I think it's that bad faith because I just think the nature of online conversation and like who is talking is like that sort of competitive play is what gets talked about, and that is then what people ape and yeah. what people practice yeah. for. And I, I think it's completely unfair to for it to be the dominant mode of conversation. I suspect the people who are just really into the narrative games are just playing it. Yeah. yeah. I suppose. Care less. Yeah. I guess if you, I think if, I don't think it fixes everything if you just give them different names, but I think at least it 
giving you a way to giving you language to say I want to play a match play game but I'm not planning on going to tournaments can you give me advice on what my list should look like feels mm-hmm. like a useful uh, conversation space to mm-hmm. be able to have uh, yeah, yeah I guess I don't know what the meaningful difference is there from like GW's perspective on how they talk about that yeah no, that's I, I appreciate that like that is a, they are meaningfully different in yeah. like actual play yeah 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 yeah, I mean, you don't you don't play the same in a, you know, like we don't play the same in a game that where I have driven to your house to play a game of Warhammer as mm-hmm. you do at a tournament, right? Yeah. I mean, we skew, I think, probably a little bit more match play than most of the people we know, but you you almost want like ma- or a little bit in- more competitive. Sorry, I should say, like, matched encompasses both like pickup games and yeah, hardcore tournament yeah. play, right? And those are meaningfully different. I don't know how GW can police that. Is I guess my yeah. Yeah. But I just think them yeah. in recognizing that mm-hmm. helps the sort of culture shift. Okay. But anyway, sorry, we're getting a bit no, away okay. from the question. Yeah. JD says follows on from this question quite well. Should the cannot be targeted by missile weapons within three inches of a unit? God, excuse me. I just did a big burp in the middle of that, so I'm going to start reading it again. <laughs> Matthew's cruelly not going to edit that out, I'm sure. JD says, should the cannot be targeted by missile weapons within three inches of a unit rule for Galician champions become a cool rule, a core rule in AOS 4? I think it should. Having a key hero snipe turn one is fucking boring. Now, let me tell you, I didn't know this was a rule. <laughs> 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 I had missed this completely. It's only for I think within one champions. inch of a unit. Yeah. Is it one inch? Is it? I yeah. think it's a really complicated rule when it's one inch for the specific Galician champion rule, but lookout sir is still three inches. Effectively, yeah. what this question is, is yes. should AOS have ninth edition style, 40k yeah. style lookout sir? Albeit that's changing now in 10th. Yeah. But... No, it should not. No, it should not. Take yeah. on this because I agree. Slam exists. And yeah. I want to be able to shoot them. <laughs> I quite like Lookout Sir as it exists currently. Yeah. I think Lookout Sir should um, stay, but I dislike not being able to target stuff at all. I, I do you know, agree if you I, lose like a key piece turn one, that is bad. But uh, against anything except pretty skewed lists, I think it's quite rare yeah. Yeah. if you've got something protected by a unit. Yeah. So you're I getting mean, that minus one to hit yeah. and you're stacking save as well, yeah. then... Stuff dies in AOS, right? It's a game yeah. where you have to expect to lose things. And AOS part is of that is trade-offs about what are you going to let your opponent shoot and, and how. And I think if you rule off certain things and say that this can't be targeted for a certain amount of time, you sort of, I think you reduce the decision space for your opponent in a way that I don't like. But then I, I play think... Count on Overlords, so I yeah. have a biased view on this question. I, I do <laughs> think some... The sort of units he's talking about, right, that we're calling Galician champions, these sort of five to six wounds, three or four up, four or five up, say, foot heroes that, like, do a thing, and it's usually buff something. Yeah. They have sucked for a lot of AOS. Yeah. Possibly for that reason. Yeah. Beyond, like, the weird buff that they do, if that's absurdly powerful, then you still take them. And I, I appreciate that. I, I wonder if maybe the solution to that is because... I've seen some people in response to this question when it was was asked publicly was wanting the new 40k attachment rules, which I desperately do not want in AOS for similar reasons that I think these units do have to be targetable. But do you not want to have to kill thirty zombies to kill a necromancer? 
which no. is already a thing you almost have to do anyway. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but it, I think it just creates more. We didn't seem to see how 40k plays out with it. Again, they're very different games, and what they're trying to achieve are different things, and the like the the, the way units are designed in these games are totally different. So. I guess we wait and see on that to see how that game pans out. But I suspect it would work worse in AOS. And maybe if you want these units to be harder to kill, the way to do that is to make them harder to kill. Yeah. Which I appreciate is yeah. a more long-term solution. But if you look at like the Slanesh book in particular, those little heroes are nails and they are not more expensive for it. They've just got four awards. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're, that. Uh, they're really maybe good. just rolling out more wood saves is because again, I appreciate with Deepkin there are other things going on, but those little foot heroes having five up wards is huge for the survivability. So, yeah, yeah. No, I think I broadly agree. And also, likes... it makes my Deepkin less special, boys. So, I think competitively, like at tournament level, this comes partly down to like deployment maps as well, yeah. knowing how to deploy to keep stuff out of mm-hmm. as much shooting as possible and the balance between that and keeping it yeah. in a place where it's relevant to your game plan. Yeah. Also, what's removing those heroes generally is like these days. I mean, obviously the, the units like 15 Bosnics still exist and, and Sentinels and stuff, they can all do it. Yeah. But, but I like, think those are the problem, not the heroes. Like, And also like incidental AoE mortal wounds, right? Uh, coming out of armies. The Warsong Bomb broke, Stupid Night Vexler Army. Those are all the things that like remove your heroes turn one. Which this wouldn't solve. Yeah. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> so yeah. I but I, I agree with Laura, like the game's designed to be extremely lethal and you have to playing around that as part of it. Knowing what to die when, what to have killed when. Mm-hmm. And what it buys you in return. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, if you've got a unit of... Stormcast's not a good example for this. Let's <laughs> say a, a chariot on the board and all of the shooting goes at your little five-wound hero. That chariot is probably going to do more than that hero ever did. Hmm. And if they're shooting a hero, they're not shooting a chariot for a turn. So, yeah, extra turn of utility for you. That shows how up-to-date with competitive Stormcast I am. If they're shooting that Night Vexler, they're not shooting your other five Night Vexlers. <laughs> <laughs> right. What other questions have we got? I'm not suggesting we answer all of these, but I, I like this one. What single unit faction change, i.e. transplanting a unit from one faction to another, would fuck up the whole game the most? <laughs> That's from Dice. I've been thinking about this one all afternoon. I don't have a really good answer. I thought, I'm sure there must be something incredible, but like things that being able to channel his spells through a skink priest, I think. <laughs> fair. Yeah, I mean something like it's going to be a really boring example, but something like Canite Shadow Stalkers and Sons of Bearmat would be huge. Like a tiny little screening unit that can screen your gargan or teleport around and grab objectives would just yeah. add yeah. loads to what gargants currently can't do. They would make them really good. Okay. In Gargoyles, <laughs> yeah, they're already big and stumpy. You know, he's just going to yeah, play a very are. similar battlefield role to Kragnos, just a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, it's 
the f- existence of incarnates l- kind of limited the possibility space for this question because at first mm. I thought, oh, Marathi and something, mm. but I was like, no, because everyone can have an incarnate already. Nah. Efficient real. shooting in Soulblight Gravelords would yeah. absolutely make their army bananas. Yeah. It probably is something boring like yeah. Lumineth Sentinels in Gravelords yeah. or Lumineth Sentinels in yeah. Seraphon. An ironclad in many armies that can't currently <laughs> take an ironclad. 30 yeah. iron drakes in yeah. the zombie army. Lord Croak in quite a lot of things, probably. Yeah. yeah. How many points is Croak? Can you ally he's him too into many. things? Yeah, he's too many. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like he loses a little bit of yeah. utility when he's outside yeah. of the allegiance as well. But yeah, the, but then the then order like, armies really, really cheap like... screens. Yeah. Like, basically any super cheap screen in an army that doesn't yeah. have it. Yeah. Is there anything you any non order armies that would be amazing with go track or something like that? <laughs> Can anyone make them really fast? <sighs> no, just, all of that stuff's just been stripped out of the game now. Yeah. I yeah. think genuinely the army's fastest in is fire slayers. Is that just by comparison? <laughs> can you, no, if they, 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 can, can you... they can use runes on him, I think, in, in right. particular. Thing. So, can you teleport him with the... Uh... No. No. Okay. He can never be set up. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah. Things you learn. What else we got? I think we Bonuses. should answer Rouge's question. <sighs> Really saving the joke ones for the end. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't realize we weren't in the Okay, in no, the let's joke do it. <laughs> Question for the pod from Rujin Would you rather get beaten to a pulp willingly or unwillingly, winky face, by Angry Marathi or Alario, but the big bug gets to join in as well? This question assumes that people are not horny for Marathi. Now, excuse me. Have you seen online? <laughs> I'm just despairing of the Age of Sigmar community. People be born age Sig- The Age of Sigmar community loves big women of all kinds. <laughs> yeah, I mean the answer is Alariel, obviously, but like it's closer than he thinks. I have a real like ick about insects, and I'm not sure that my soul could deal with being confronted with a stag beetle where I can see all the moving parts in that much sort of detail. Oh, okay. So Yeah. Also, like can I say it's not really into being stag beetle. Can I say that on my podcast? It's my podcast, I guess. Well yeah, getting say what you like. A stag beetle. <laughs> <laughs> well you said it now. Yeah. I'm also just not really into the idea of being beaten into a pulp. It's not my vibe, so this is, this question presupposes <laughs> Some stuff. Mm, perhaps Rouge is saying more about himself than he's saying about us. Makes you think. Maybe. <laughs> Laura, any big thoughts on this question? <laughs> really, really, very no. Um, Just more despairing. all for the sake of having an answer. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Great stuff. Should AOS, this is Krona, should AOS attempt to re-implement the Mortal Realms into army building, or should it stay as background lore? Now, I have a confession. I have no idea what this means. So should I don't there be realm rules again? In 2nd edition, there were loads of oh, realm God, rules, realm yeah. artifacts, realm spells. Sorry, yeah, okay, realm I do know terrain. what this means. Yeah. I was thinking on a broader 
sense and than that. Cities like, of uh, Sigma still have it in oh, theoretically, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't do um, anything, but yeah. Uh, cities. Yeah, fuck them. It'll all be che- it'll all be different. I'm certainly glad I don't own two cities of Sigma armies. Let me tell you, it'll be fine. I'm, really, I'm moderately hopeful one of them might still be usable. I really like the idea in concept, but we've never really found a way that it works. So I kind of think it should probably stay a narrative thing and not be part of the match play rules. I guess. Yeah, I've been Bring to a back. few. Return with a V. We need. <laughs> the most busted spell laws unbelievably you could imagine and they should be a d6 roll to start of the game for which one you're playing on I was going to say I've been to some one day as when they did that each game was in a different realm so they didn't roll for it actually but like each oh, yeah, round yeah. was in a different realm and the realm of beasts at the time one of the special rules was each player got, got a, monster. a monster. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what I brought. I think I brought Stonehorn or something. I wasn't playing ogres. My one of my opponents brought the really tall Forge World Gargan. Yeah, before it was mm. a Gargan, when it was a giant. Still, that's was this not a ale guzzler or a man crusher but oh, I can't remember what its name uh, was I know the one you mean it's bone, like bone something bone crusher yeah. Yeah. bone grinder I think it's bone yeah, grinder yeah that's yeah, the yeah. one which let me tell you is a hell of a lot of model to have for free now again I I think these rules were like comped by the TO but there were rules about like basically it just Attacks who's ever, whoever's closest. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it joined your uh, army, right? It definitely yeah, just no, hung it's... around in the middle of the board and did stuff. Yeah. So it was funny. I appreciate it was logistical weirdness, but so I think some slightly simpler version of that would be fun. Like a, I think That'd it's be... hard for match play yeah. because you don't yeah. you don't want a roll at the start of the game and find out that mm. your shooting army can't hit anything because it's dark. Like that's really yeah. boring. The actual answer is that the realm of superplayer realm of KOS, which just happens to be only one realm at a time, we're saying yeah, right. at the moment. It hasn't impacted a lot, right? Realistically. There's something I'd like from the next General's Handbook. New realm. It's going to be Gur. It's going to be Gur. I know it is. Yeah. Yeah. They seem to be no, really Gur, gurred up for this edition. I've, I've only just gotten around to like doing... An army with Gur themed bases in my cruel boys, so yeah. I mean, yeah. My Deepkin are normally Gur themed because I've painted them for the enclave that lives in Gur, but I mean, Brown. Yeah. Brown, isn't it? Yeah. Orangey brown. <laughs> okay. What else have we got? Would you rather be attacked by one Kragnos sized Nurgling or one hundred Nurgling sized Kragnosses? Well Kragnos Nurgling sized is a great unclean one. So, yeah. I don't ever want to see one of them. Definitely a hundred nurgling sized Kragnosses. A hundred tiny little horse guys. Well, I say tiny. I guess it's be, like. It would just be actual Kragnos sized, by... like the Kragnos model. It's just him. Yeah. yeah, it's like being I... attacked by 100 puppies, basically, isn't it? I could kick the shit out of so many little tiny horses. Lucky. But every time you did the bellow with rage and do D three mortal wounds, <laughs> I don't. know. How many mortal wounds do we have as humans? I don't feel like it's. About more, I certainly don't feel like. Wound. 
I've got more than about three. Yeah. Well, Depends I guess Cities of Sigma standard dude has one, so we probably have well one max, rip, maybe less. Rip, rip to them, but I'm different. Yeah. <laughs> I got three. <laughs> okay. I don't have a ward though, so I do. My ward is sitting down and going, oh, <laughs> when any, ever anything bad yeah. happens. I do think my cat could probably deal with a hundred nurgling-sized Kragnoses quite quickly. So, yeah, yeah, maybe that's a solution. Are we allowed reinforcements in pet form? Yeah, because I mean, I know there's only one of them, but Kragnos is real big. And a nurgling that big anyway, and then if he was actually a nurgling, I have no way of dealing with that. Again, he's just like a grey unclean one. So. I like how seriously we engage with that question. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important stuff. <laughs> that was from Wambadger. What else have we got? Well, how much time have we got left? Okay, We've got, got like a couple more questions. Minutes. I think we can, yeah. we can do. Nersh says, when will people stop bullying me, a poor little hard done by City of Sigmar enjoy? <laughs> I feel like that's a question for Matthew. Never. Are you going to keep bullying City's players after they get this nice new range of models? Yes. Cool. Okay. Good yeah. That seems harsh. Well, you know, once, once maybe if once they finish setting fires for their dwarves and elves, then I can <laughs> take pity in them instead. Maybe the dwarves will stay. I'm still holding out hope. <laughs> Taking them to an event next this month in about three weeks just to see if I can get some use is that out. A Warhammer World one? No, it is a Bad Moon Cafe narrative uh, event. Right. Oh yeah. I'm very excited for it. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have much to say about bullying Caesar Sigma players. Don't um, do it. I'm, I'm very excited great. for that new range. <laughs> At least they're not Seraphon players, you know? Well, yeah. We've all got our upsides. <laughs> do you think, this is Roxin again, do you think a combat patrol equivalent for AOS could ever work? Yeah. I really like Which it if I... it could, but I feel yeah. like the dependence in AOS on quite big monsters would make it yeah. trickier, perhaps, than in 40k. I, mean, I... I don't know if it'll work for 40k either, so we'll see, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I caveat, none of us know yet actually how well it works in 40k. I would say, if anything, like if you follow the same logic of 40k where the data sheets get kind of simplified, yeah. then that works even better for AOS because, like, AOS war scrolls are a little bit simpler anyway. Like, the Vanguard boxes don't tend to have loads of big stompy monsters in, right? It's, it's generally quite no. infantry cavalry and stuff. Mm. Again, because yeah. they tend to not want to give away the expensive models in those boxes, right? Like Fireslayer's lost the Magma Draft. The only yeah. ones I can think of is like Sylvaneth, I think has a Tree Lord in it, but they're not... But a Tree Lord isn't... Even yeah. in a game that size, isn't really that much of a no, force not a big right. Like, I mean, Sons of Bear Mats still exist, but they probably just don't get to play that game mode, I guess. <laughs> you just get one, right? Like, yeah. But is that, just I mean, that, is that the point when I would worry about it, I guess, if yeah, it is yeah. one Mega Gargant against... He has ten wounds. Small things. How's that gonna look at? Simplified to having ten wounds and a five up save. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it would it would essentially need to be a new game from the ground up. Would like, yeah. oh yeah, but yeah, yes, I mean, I'm not for someone making that game. I just don't think it's 
I think I'm quite struggling to reconcile it with Age of Sigma as I see Age of Sigma, I guess. Yeah. I would say broadly, GW's attempts at making small scale Age of Sigma have been like bad or yeah. like I yeah. quite liked me engagements, but I don't think it was good. Yeah. Um, the thousand point pack that they came up with for the Warhammer World good. event is yeah. probably the best attempt there's been at it yet. Like it puts reasonably sensible I'm I'm sure sorry, I'm sure people not Games Workshop have home designed mm-hmm. other versions that are better, but I thought that one was broadly fine in that it stopped the most egregious nonsense. Yeah. yeah. My opinion is the game is so underbalanced around two thousand points. Yeah. And attempting to shoehorn it into other even if it's fun, it's inherently going to be flawed from a competitive standpoint. You still have miles of fun playing a thousand point one. Fine. Yeah. So having a way to do smaller games, but designed actually bespoke for that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. Yeah, I would I would gladly try it if it existed. Yeah. I expect something like it will come with anticipated fourth ed next year. Because mm. yeah. it seems to be accessibility and like sort of from a business point of view, having products that they can point on the shelf and be like, buy one of those and that's all you need seems to be like a big push for GW. So mm-hmm. we have two more questions from Juan Badger. Number one, faction terrain, love it or hate it? Love it. Hate is a strong word, but generally. Not a fan. If I have to pick one of those, I think I'm also hate. There are so, there are times where I think it works really well, and like I love all of the models. I think I'm mostly coloured by the Bone Titan Nexus being so big and annoying. Yeah, I like it and conceptually, also... but it's just you've got to buy it and you've got to carry it yeah. to a game, and people haven't been able to buy Moon Shrines for months. That is bad. It's just like, I hate buying Battle Tomes because it's not models, so. Like terrain, and I've also had Lumineth Shrine rattling around my house for like eighteen months, and not I don't want to paint it, and it's just still. I think it's broken now because I built it, and then I've it's moved house with me, so I think all of the small bits have broken off yeah. it. So both my bits of fat from terrain, I have taken to games and voluntarily chosen not to put on the board because it was just too much faff, and at that point, just, just not worth yeah. it. <laughs> There's a period of time when they were overdoing it for sure. Yeah, but I think conceptually, if you get it right, it's the same as any game mechanic. It could be good, it can be bad. I think I like the skull altar and the charnel throne. I think they're yeah. both the right size yeah. and the right kind of effect. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's controversial, but I really like Sylvaneth trees. I mean, I yeah, I wouldn't want to it, have to buy three of those boxes, yeah. but yes, I don't, don't think I they should to, scrap but, it for every faction, yeah. but I think. I think I the think extent to, to which it exists now is, and the way it works for some factions is not great. I mean, if you look at AOS 3, they kind of have stopped. Right? Yes, exactly. But yes. it's no still kind of hanging around in a slightly yeah. frustrating way. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're not going to get rid of any, I think, in the foreseeable future. But yeah. yeah. Silverleth was the best example of it working. And I think, like, that army, I know people moan about it and, like, oh, you have to buy them. It's not actually a huge deal, I think, because of how cheap to collect Sylvaneth are otherwise. Really cheap. So I don't, 
begrudge it too much. Yeah, yeah. It just like the it fits the fantasy of the army so perfectly, and being able to like spread them across the board again is so thematic. I love it. Yeah. So that when it works, it's very good. And yeah, like you said, the, the small little ones, quite quite like them. Yeah. And I'm going to call last question again from Wan Badger. What would Slanesh leverage to lure each of you onto the path of darkness? Let's keep this clean-ish. <laughs> the opportunity to get revenge on everyone who has written a rule into a battle tome that <laughs> hints at Magmadroth death. Like, there are so <laughs> many rules that are like Magmadroth innards or something like that, or spells that suddenly just talk about being so mean to Magmadroth for no reason. I would like to get just horrible revenge so on those people and save all the Magmadroths. That's fair. Nice, I like it. Matthew, don't say uh, pegging. <laughs> you were the one who specifically requested to keep this section PG-30. <laughs> I mean, my major weakness in, in life is gluttony. So something, chips. Just offer me chips and I'll, I'll follow you into hell. Um, Good answer. Reopen Bristol's premier takeaway, just chips. <laughs> but yeah, the, a genuine place that existed. I have not eaten that though, but yeah, a really wow. good bag of extremely vinegary chips. And yeah, I'll walk backwards into hell. <laughs> nice. John actually highlighted this in the full wording of his initial question, but I think for me, it is old metal models without a doubt. Just, you know. Show me a big pile of old Imperial Guard and I'm yours. <laughs> and kill someone. Not really. That's that's a joke. Just that to be clear. Is not an actionable threat. Please. Yeah. <laughs> GCHQ, you can stop listening to the podcast now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Shout out cool. to Chips. What are we? Yes. Where, where are we at? <laughs> I think that's it. Thanks, thanks for the questions, everybody. Those are super fun. We'll keep. I can't promise we'll like keep doing it as the questions become more and more inane, presumably. But I don't want this to purely develop into like a bit where we answer joke right. questions about forty k Primarchs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it is fun to sort of just receive some fuel for. 20 minutes of riffing so yeah we'll keep putting the call out on Twitter and other places for sort of feeding us questions before we record other than that not much to do I think except say thanks to Tiny Plastic People for hosting us has anyone written any Goonhammer stuff we should plug Matthew you wrote a model review of the Agrodon Lancers yeah sold like Ray Lord review I guess that's old hat now by this point I've been a lazy boy yeah me too a lot of content creating Laura has written another yeah, entry blocked. on her blog did that's true she has she I don't has know. blogged I've totally forgotten what the address of my blog is but I think it's in my twitter profile so you can go to my twitter hold. and look at it the there. magma hold 
I'm not sure if Googling that will reveal it because SEO for blogs appeals to be awful. I don't but... have a massive reader base, I think it's probably fair to say. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, I blogged, despite this being a match play podcast, for the next two months I am entirely going to narrative events. So I did a sort of forward look blogging about what I was hoping to get out of that. That's a good point. Yeah, anyone got any exciting events coming up worth saying? If we, If you see us at an event, please talk to us. If you, I don't know why you'd recognise us visually. If we play you at an event in the near future, we will probably try and do some pretty relentless podcast promotion at you. So <laughs> sorry in advance for that, or sorry about that if you're listening back. What what are people off to in the next few months? I am going to A Crown of Salt and Shadow this coming weekend, which is an event being organised by our community for... It's sort of AOS 28, AOS adapted version of the Necromunda rules. Then I'm going to a Bad Moon Cafe AOS narrative event, which I'm very excited for because I get to take my ghost dwarf army. Uh, Then I'm going to Warhammer Whitney, which is another narrative AOS event sort of themed around organised crime in the mortal realms, which sounds very fun. And then I'm going to a narrative Warcry event. So, yeah, it's all good. Wow. And then I'm going to Blackout and we'll have to remember how to play match play AOS again. Yeah, my next turn is Blackout as well. And then I'm going to the War in the Heartlands, probably. Ooh, cool. Ooh. I can't make that weekend and I was sad. When is when's War in the Heartlands? November. November. Something like the eighteenth ish. Yeah. I'm not doing anything in November. Oh, I wonder if there's still tickets. I think last time I looked there were I'm not sure. Also, where are the Heartlands? Near you. Oh. Is it Leicester? Something like that. Oh, okay. That might not be too bad. Anyway, this is not an on-air conversation. (laughs) I'm going to the AOS doubles at Warhammer World, second weekend of July, with aforementioned friend Luke. Last one of those we went to was really good, so looking forward to that. Otherwise, in terms of AOS, yeah, Blackout in August... And tentatively, AOS, I am going to the Underworlds Grand Clash at Warhammer World on the 2nd of September, mm. which I think you're Me going too. to as well, Laura. Yes. Cool. So, yeah, a few things coming up. I really want to try and get some more AOS, like, one-dayers and stuff. I know Black Dragon Miniatures, which is not a thousand miles from me in the Midlands, runs them quite regularly. I had a phase of my life where I was really, really good on, like, a Friday night just looking at what like one day Underworlds events are on over the weekend and picking one and going to it. And I do not seem to have developed that skill for finding events for AOS. So I think, to be fair, I think turn up and play stuff is way rarer for the, the big games. But yeah, still, hopefully I'll find some more things. Oh, right. I guess that's it. Follow us on Twitter. We're at 32AOS. Yeah, that's probably the best place to get in touch with us as a as a pod. You can also yeah. find us individually. I am on Twitter at Rich Nutter. Matthew? At Matthew C.M. Ward. Or, I mean, you can feel free to plug Instagrams here as well if you prefer. Ah, I always forget it exists. Yeah. How about you, Laura? I am on Twitter and Instagram at scops947. Nice. And I think my aforementioned blog is probably linked in my Twitter profile. <laughs> <Probably>. Maybe. Nice. 
fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll get you that readership. Cool. That's it. Pod done. Thanks for listening. Nice. Everybody. Let's Bye. see you another time for more. Bye. Bye. I'm waving. Yeah. It's how they know. smooth rich i don't like it but it's my skin i need my skin needs it so it's hot i hate it actually i can't shave my head at the same time or just be like a ball (laughs) perfect baby war gamer (laughs) it does take about eight years off me so (laughs) right We're recording, by the way, so hello.